This episode is brought to you by Private Internet Access. Get protected with the only no-log VPN tested in court against the FBI. Go to GOG.show slash VPN, sign up today, and get protected. Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. <laughs> I was wondering where you went. <laughs> okay, a little slow this morning. Do you have another night? A little slow this morning. Uh, no, I just, uh, I don't even know what happened to me anymore. I'm just tired, Jason. I'm just tired. <laughs> <laughs> You're an old man. I'm an old man these days, an old dad. But uh, here I am, and I'm good, and we've got some follow-up. So I spent this morning with about uh, my phone going crazy with robocalls. Shocking. And as we talked about, uh, the, the, our country is going to try to do something about it. Thank God. Finally, there's some some different things going through the House and the Senate that hopefully will help out. But of course, because we can't really ever have any nice things, um, our favorite person, Ajit Pai, of course, the FCC chairman, said this month that the commission would vote on a measure allowing phone companies such as AT&T and Verizon Communications to analyze network traffic to spot and block certain robocalls without running afoul of federal rules. So, you know, we're getting another they're, they're basically deputizing the communications companies to go ahead and start to block these things as well. Hopefully. However, where's that other shoe? <laughs> yeah, some businesses fear it could result in carriers also blocking automated calls from legitimate firms. Banks, collection agencies, and merchants say automated calls are crucial, even though some consumers may find them annoying. So representatives from these trade bodies that lobby on behalf of debt collectors, banks, and healthcare providers and other businesses are meeting with the FCC officials and urging them to delay the vote and instead seek public comment. Here's my public comment. All of those agencies that you just r- rattled off, those are all yes. the people I don't want calling me. That's it. <laughs> yes, but they do have legitimate reasons to be calling you because uh, they want their monies. So it's a, there are reasons to have these robocalls. So there should be a little bit of a, a, a way to kind of detect the differences between legitimate businesses that are doing it and, and spam stuff. So I'm fine with that. But uh, the thing that I find funny is that they want to seek public comment because we all know how well FCC's systems for public commenting work. Exactly. You got to die before they actually listen to you. <laughs> and it's mostly all spammed stuff anyways. They rigged the system as we knew last time around. If, you, if you're not dead or Russian, nobody listens to you <laughs> at the FCC. So we'll see what happens there. It's, it, it, I just, I'm happy there's movement. There's a movement from the FCC side of things. There's movement from the House and the Senate. So something's got to happen because, like I said, uh, my phone is useless. Like, it's basically useless because we get so many of these robocalls these days. I'm fine with that. I just don't answer the phone by anybody yeah. that's not in my contact list. It's exactly. simple enough with that. that. That's <laughs> where we're all at with that these days. Now we have some more follow-up on Amazon. Now, remember, there was this huge uh, contest that they ran for their HQ2 that basically involved cities bending over backwards to take it up the butt to have Amazon come move there, Right. So people got super pissed off about this, uh, particularly the New York City version of this, because of uh, the amount of political subsidies and city subsidies and et cetera, that the project was that Amazon, Amazon was basically going to be paid to open up an office in New York. And yeah, everybody yeah, kind of freaked ridiculous. out about this, so they backed away. Yeah, they backed away from it, thankfully. Now what we're finding out is, of course, Amazon is going to go ahead and move there anyways. Now, yep. <laughs> the space isn't going to be quite as big as their HQ2 project, but they're still going to New York, thus proving that you don't need to give these companies these insane subsidies just to move there. They're going anyways. Yep. Save your money, people. If they want to come, they're going to come no matter what. Exactly. 
So I got a little follow up on space junk. Mm-hmm. Pew pew pew. I found Are we shooting this, it out uh, of the sky. No, we're actually going to be using uh, different techniques. But this is an article from last year that I missed, mm-hmm. and uh, I found this uh, hat tip to Arrow Dork on Twitter, one of my favorite Twitter accounts. And they said that this was one of the you know most underreported news stories of last year that was super important. Now there is a company that's out there that is trying to get these things out of orbit and they're coming up with novel ways to do it. They're trying different things. So they sent up this uh, satellite called remove debris and <laughs> catchy name. Ca- yeah. Yeah. Really says it says what it does there right there on the tin, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And there's video in this article about uh, uh, of them actually trying out a net. So they, they sent up their satellite and they launched it from the ISS and they spit out a test satellite that they could capture and, you know, try and deorbit. And they did with a big old net. They just threw a net at it. So fishing in the spa- in the sky. Yeah, kind of. Kind of the same way that people are getting drones out of the sky. They're just going to try and do okay, it. Okay, well, so that, that, that's great for <laughs> capturing it. But then what happens? Well, then you uh, you can use that to deorbit it. because it. No, oh, I guess you, uh, you bring it in to your thing and then bring that down. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sense. sure exactly all the technicals on it. But uh, it, they're starting to find out ways to do this stuff. But, well, uh, good. You know, yeah, I just it's it's a simple solution. Simple, low cost, because they were talking about space harpoons, too. And I'm like, um, <laughs> you know, that's that's cool and all. But what think, happens when harpoon hits it and then it spits out the little tiny pieces that come yes, out? You know, that doesn't seem well thought out to me. Space harpoons. Unless it's just a big plunger on a rope, you know, <laughs> <laughs> shit in space, except you're in a vacuum. So I guess a plunger wouldn't really work. Oh, but, yeah, there's that. Hmm. Yeah, there really is that. Oops, didn't think about that. But it's, you know, unless we come up with space eagles to get it out of the sky, like we're doing with drones over in in Europe. But uh, yeah, it's cool that uh, some people are still doing stuff on it. I recommend going to check out this article. It'll be linked in the show notes because the video is pretty cool. In the news. We've talked in the past about Spotify going after Apple. In the app store and how there's these issues with payments and how, you know, Apple runs their own little world there and you have to pay to play. Right. And Spotify is going after it. Well, Apple has launched a new page on their website called uh, dedicated <laughs> to the best store experience for everyone. And it's under principles and practices. Mm-hmm. Did you get a chance to flip through this this site or mini site, as it were? Uh, I scanned through it very quickly. It's uh, it's uh, it's very pretty. It's very pretty. It looks very apple And, you know, of course, they're mm-hmm. spitting out all of their their stats. And this is mm-hmm. all the stuff that we do for you, you ungrateful curs. Uh, <laughs> we are a store that welcomes competition. Yeah, <laughs> except for the fact that you can't set any defaults on the damn iPhone, except for Apple apps. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's an interesting thing. And people are pushing back against this, saying that, yeah, you know what? You kind of defeated your own purpose here and gave us all the ammunition we need by putting this page up. <laughs> this is exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You guys don't get it, do you? This is what That's we're funny. mad about. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of cute that Apple is coming out swinging, but they're swinging in the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that may not have been the, the best idea there. But uh, hey, you know, they're they're dedicated, right? They are dedicated. We're going to see <laughs> how this shakes out in the coming months and years, I'm sure. Now, every now and then when I'm browsing around uh, looking for stories to talk about on the show, I, 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 it always catches my eye when somebody uses one of our own taglines. So here's the title of this article. Sell your data, earn passive income. What could go wrong? 
Yep, yep. Now, obviously, this article is going to be right in our wheelhouse. I thought this was interesting. So market researchers at PwC, that's PricewaterhouseCooper, estimate that in 2018, companies that collect personal data to use for targeted advertising brought in $178 billion in revenue. Data brokers last year earned a further $21 billion, and these numbers are only trending up, obviously. Uh, by 2025, uh, PwC expects the global data economy to be worth more than $400 billion. Wow, that's a lot of... That's a lot of datas. That's a, that's a lot of monies for a lot of datas, yeah. So uh, the theory is it's about time we get in on the action and we should be able to uh, sell our own data and earn passive income. So here comes a whole bunch of companies dedicated to doing that. The so-called data exchange, a new breed of tech startup promising to cut us in on the share of the vast wealth being created by the sale of our personal data. They are billing themselves as disruptors of a top-heavy and exploitative industry. These companies promise to build platforms where we can collect, store, and ultimately sell our own browser histories, Fitbit analytics, bank statements, Instagram posts, Spotify habits, and all the other data points that drop from us all the time. So, great. Each startup in this uh, economy has staked out their own particular niche. There's a couple already. Streamer wants to let you sell data in real time. Every lane change in your Tesla and adjustment to your smart thermostat can be added to the aggregated data sets it will offer to corporations on a subscription basis. There's another okay. company, and I do love this name. <laughs> Universal Basic Data Income. Oh, God. <laughs> which is bringing all the analytics in-house and selling only insights it can glean from its users' data rather than giving the data away itself, which I kind of like that idea better than the other options, but I don't really like any of these. Um, and then there's another one called Ocean Protocol, which is on a mission to sell your data to AI companies, equalizing Yay! access to data for all, its website announces. So IBM and Microsoft won't be the only companies with access to massive stockpiles of our personal information. <laughs> Everyone will get them now. <laughs> you get my data. You get my data. You get my data. Yes. And in return, you'll get some crypto tokens that might be someday worth something if enough of us decide to join these things and sell our access because these don't these markets these markets don't actually exist yet. I'm sure these companies right. are getting tons of funding for something that doesn't exist yet. Uh, a number of these companies have launched. Data is only avail valuable in aggregate, so these startups will need to attract a lot more users before they can start compensating people in any kind of meaningful way. So it's coming, people. Well, here's the funny thing. I guess all of these people read Jaron Lanier's book because he talks about this in mm -hmm. his last book that we reviewed. Uh, was it the uh, – I can't remember if it was the uh, like 10 Reasons to Quit Social Media Book? Yes, did he talk yes, about this? Mm -hmm. It was yeah. that one. Okay, yeah. I'll dig that up and put a link in the show notes. If you haven't read that book, I, th I recommend everybody listening to the show go read that book. It's fantastic. But right. this is one of the ideas that he staked out there, and uh, apparently a couple people have read the book and are jumping on it. Yep, they did. Uh, they name checked him quite often in the article, actually. So, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And then I found another one uh, that says what we've been saying all the time. We should opt into data tracking, not out of it, says DuckDuckGo CEO Gabe Weinberg. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's not really much else to add to that because we talked <laughs> yeah, about it to I death mean, here. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the duck, duck, go guy. We know that he's, he's yes. all about this, but it, yeah. I mean, his point in this conversation, this is a conversation with Kara Swisher over at uh, recode. And his point was instead of waiting for a comprehensive privacy bill to work its way through Congress over the many and many, many years that it'll take, he's proposing a small, simple tweak to us regulations, basically putting in an opt out. That's it. He says okay. that'll, that'll fix everything. <laughs> no, it won't. Well, it would if it could actually be adopted, but it'll never be adopted. So Exactly. And even if it's adopted, can you actually trust them to do what they say well, they're going that, to do? Well, then we get into uh, what does delete really mean again, that argument. Yeah, so, things like that. Yep. Now, I found this one on TechCrunch this morning, which I thought was pretty cool. Uber Eats, micro-mobility services are growing faster than Uber's core ride-hailing business. So they're pivoting. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> they just have a bunch of irons in the fire with their Uber Eats and their scooters and all that kind of thing. But it's interesting that mm-hmm. their side hustles have uh, grown 230% in the last year, or actually just Q1, mm-hmm. and ride sharing grew just 22%. And I'm looking right. at that, and that, what that just tells me is people just want to stay home and bring me some shit. I don't want to go out. There is a lot of that. I mean, that's that's kind of what's happening right now. Like, uh, you, you just see it with Postmates, the rise of all these different services that, that basically just bring everything to you instead of you going out into the world to forage for it yourself. It, it's the Deliveroo economy. It is. it is. It really is these days. Yeah, except skip DoorDash. We'll talk about them in a little bit in security, but I hate those guys. <laughs> have yet to get an actual meal on time that hasn't been flipped upside down and shaken, <laughs> not stirred. Oh, this one, this was, this is a head scratcher here. I thought you might get a kick out of this cameo. The celebrity shout out startup nears a $300 million valuation. Yeah. I, I've been aware of this company for a while. It's kind of like a side hustle for celebrities. Yep. You can, you can go and pay them, uh, pay the celebrity a couple bucks and mm-hmm. they will do a little video shout out for you or an audio shout out. You you tell them what you want and they'll either accept it or deny it. And then they'll make a little video for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they can go up to I think the the most expensive one I saw was Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank. He was nine hundred and ninety nine dollars for wow. a shout out. Uh, you can get Tony Hawk for like one hundred and fifty bucks. And I think Charlie Sheen is like two seventy five, mm-hmm. which is like probably his only income right now. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of people on here, though, that are, you know, famous folks. But, you know, these things are really not huge, huge money. It's like Caitlyn Jenner's bringing in two and a half thousand dollars a week. And of course, the company takes 25 percent of that. Of course. And, you know, another real housewife brings in two point eight thousand dollars a week. How is That's... this worth three hundred million dollars? <laughs> yeah. That's uh well, I, you think I have an answer for you? I don't. <laughs> okay. I don't understand valuations of any of these things. They make no sense whatsoever. It's a great idea, but I mean, it's never going to be a gazillion dollar business, especially it's just not because at some point to make the kind of money to be a 300 million dollar company, they would have to have basically every celebrity known to man. And the pricing would just go outrageous, like to the point where I'm, nobody's going to pay five thousand dollars for a 30 second video from somebody. No one. I know it's that. ridiculous. It's, it's, it's unsustainable. Ridiculous. So it's a it's a cute idea. It's clever. It's uh, you know I know like Gina Grad does that. Um, she's from the Adam Carolla News Girl. She's up on it. You know we we could be up on this in theory. I don't think anybody would pay five bucks to have us say hello. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I don't think that we would uh, actually make it through the vetting process because you have to I think be a celebrity to be on yes. there. All right. Yeah, right. nobody's going to give yeah. us five bucks to just to say Deliveroo or <laughs> shit's broken, you know. Yeah, I, I suppose. But I mean, you know, I'm I'm looking through the list of celebrities and I've not heard of half of these people. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, these, I don't know who any of these people know. are. <laughs> no, not of our generation. But if we had a budget, no, man, it would be fun not. to go through here and get everybody to say, you're listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. Oh, no. hey, good idea. Yeah. It'd be, it, I mean, it's a really cool platform if you need, you know, celebrity bumpers for your podcast, mm-hmm. but it's going to add up real fast. Uh, I bet there's fast. legalese in here about not being able to use them for commercial purposes. I doubt that. I doubt that. that. It's, 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 a, well, it's a deal between you and the celebrity. So. All right. Okay. We'll see. Hey, man, we got a few bucks lying around sometime after we, we try and go to the the burrito extravaganza for what was it, Cholula? <laughs> you know, 
we got to we got to we got to we got to set aside that 60 bucks to go to the the burrito experience. Well, we'll have Bug Hall, the actor from the Little Rascals, tell tell everybody how much he loves Grumpy Old Geeks for 25 bucks. There we go. All right. And Uber is going to start deactivating riders with low ratings. Now, this is a thing that I thought they were already doing. This is why I thought this was so strange that this was making the news this week. I mean, I guess if you yeah, have a what, low rating what would be on the Uber, point in having the ratings if you weren't going to do something with them? So, yes, I, I assume this was already happening as well. Well, the the drivers can see your rating when they accept your ride so they can, you know, basically can, on their side. Say it. Yeah. yeah, they mm-hmm. can choose not to pick you up if you're a three. Say, oh, this guy's an asshole. He's going to puke all over the back of my car. I'm not picking him up. So it was based on the driver. But now their Uber is literally going to pull you from the app if right. you're an asshole. So. <laughs> I I guess yeah, it's I, a step in the right direction, but yeah, yeah I, it makes sense. And why not? I mean, it should be that way. I think it's interesting that drivers can be pulled if they fall below four point six. That's uh, that's not hard. I, that's not hard I, I, to get I, under I, a yeah. <laughs> I call bullshit on the four point six because I've been with some twos before <laughs> that are just like, there's no way, there's no way you should be driving for this company. This did make me go look at my own rating because I, I'd never looked at it before. Guess, guess what my rating is, Jason? I'm guessing you're a, either a 4.9 or a 5. I am a 5. Yep, I'm a 5 too. Yep. So I, I'm a nice guy. I, <laughs> I say nice things to the people. If you're a nice guy, at least in an Uber. That's about all we could verify right now. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, if they came on the podcast, I'd give them hell. But uh, <laughs> when I'm in somebody else's car, I'm a nice guy. What are you going to say? Mm-hmm. So I have a little more information about the FCC and things going on there. Some news. I thought this was interesting because we're all talking about uh, the coming use of 5G. And uh, we don't think too much about bandwidth uses on this. So right now there's a conflict brewing over the spectrum band, radio, TV, cell phone, satellite, submarines, Wi-Fi, and any other device that can send or receive messages do so using specific portions of the electromagnetic spectrum to prevent interference between different types of devices. The problem is we're running out of room for both old and new technologies, because we have to keep the older technologies working. Things like weather forecasting uses the band between 23.6 and 24 gigahertz. But in recent years, telecommunications companies have been eyeing the band around 24 gigahertz for 5G use. Now, this could be a problem because there will be bleed over. And the national- apparently broadcasting on your frequency that's why you can't speak today i think so <laughs> uh, my brain waves are being hacked uh, the national oceanic and atmospheric administration told the house science committee earlier this month that interference from neighboring bands from this 5g proposal could result in 77 percent data loss that's a lot this will cause immediate effects like limiting our ability to predict and track developing storms and cascading ones like the potential for government agencies to halt the launch of new satellites since many of them would no longer be effective so Let's uh, look at this a little cautiously, shall we? We should, for sure. But yes. will they? No. Because remember, the FCC is kind of the worst government agency that we have right now. It is pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, of course, besides the executive branch, but besides that's, the executive split in hairs. Now, I found a really interesting story that was kind of music related, but it was more, uh, we're just a platform. And you know, I love the we're just a platform argument. Uh, Lil Nas X. I'm sure you're aware of, of him, Jason. I think you can. Uh, you, didn't you buy something from him off Cameo just the other day? Oh, I've, yeah, I've got, I've got all of his, uh, his dope vinyl in my Well, collection. apparently he's everywhere with this song called Old Town Road. It's the top single in North America and has been for the last several weeks. Um, 
And it has, a, I guess, an all-important banjo sample in it. It's, a, it's the thing that gives the song its essential vibe. He didn't write it. Uh, he bought it from a company called BeatStars, a site based out of Austin, Texas, that sells beats to performers for bargain prices. They have over a million customers in 160 countries. Uh, they make approximately around $40 million a year. And creators of the beats have things licensed on their behalf. So if anything comes out of their beats, they get a piece of the action. Um, according to Rolling Stone, there's a dance hall producer in Albania who's bringing in over $40,000 a month just based on the beats that he writes and the different music bits that he puts up there. And people then purchase and license. So little Nas X bought this banjo beat from BeatStars for 30 bucks. Awesome, right? No. The beat was created by a teenager in the Netherlands named Kiawi Rakumi, who works under the name Young Kyo. And he stole the banjo loop from Nine Inch Nails. It was a, on a track called 34 Ghosts, which appears on the disc four of the 2008 instrumental album Ghosts 1 through 4. He put a beat under the loop and then up, put it up on BeatStars, hoping that they would be able to sell it for him. Well, that's the one that Little Nas X bought. So now this illegal stolen thing is part of the, one of the biggest hits in the world right now. So what happens? Yeah. What, where do we go from here? <laughs> well, Trent Reznor, uh, Atticus Ross, released 34 Ghosts under Creative Commons, which means you're allowed to take it and use it, but not for anything commercial. So this kid couldn't put it up for sale. And little Nas X couldn't take it and use it to make money. So the copyright's been infringed. So what's going to happen now? Already the songwriting credits have changed to list Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. And I'm sure there will be money and uh, record label sort of stuff going on now. But it does. I mean, this is the thing. Like, this is the same thing that you see with like YouTube and all of these things. When you these people just build a platform and they vet nothing. Right. They just don't vet right. anything. And you can't do that. But I guarantee you, if I went to BeatStars right now and just started going through stuff, I'm sure we could find gazillions of things that are just lifted and stolen, slightly tweaked. Slightly tweaked. Yeah, that's the thing. Where does it get to the point where it becomes a new work of art? Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. To ask your wife. She's the <laughs> music lawyer. She should probably know. Uh, she is aware of this. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because the, the, uh, the Ghost album was, was uh, licensed under Creative Commons by NCSA. Mm -hmm. so that is basically uh non-commercial so there you go share alike yep. which means if you do anything with it you have to share it back uh, which means you are allowed to adapt remix transform and build upon the material but the non-commercial aspect non is where the kid went yeah that's where the kid went afoul so he's the one that should be on the hook for actually putting it out there to sell so this True. kid is the one that should be having to pay for it yeah honestly but I am not a lawyer, nor do I play one on the internet nor television. <laughs> I just make shit up as I see it. That's right. We'll see how this one plays out. In very interesting news, we've been talking about our good friends over at Salesforce.com for a while now and our good buddy, Mark Benioff. Yeah, you really had it out for him recently. He's like your bird. Yeah, he's such a hypocrite. Drives me crazy. <laughs> it's like, I love my town. This is the greatest town. And he says that with one hand in the other hand he's systematically destroying the culture of san francisco <laughs> but what are you gonna do well salesforce.com they have a big thing on their website saying camping world is one of our leading customers using our software and camping world spends about a million dollars a year on salesforce mm -hmm. well camping world's contract is probably not going to be renewed because salesforce now has decided that they have a no gun policy and Camping World sells guns because sometimes when you're camping, you want to go hunting. Yep. You know, 
that's kind of the way it goes. So, yeah, uh, this is an interesting one because they're not going to be allowed to probably renew their contract unless they stop selling guns, which or they're going to have to spend a couple million dollars changing over to another software vendor. And I, I'm curious before I say anything, I'm curious about your take on this. What do you think? Uh, open market. That's fine with me. Salesforce can make their own policies if they want to. We, we've allowed places like Lobby, Hobby Lobby and all that sort of stuff to do that in their own ways. It's not infringing on anybody's rights. And uh, they can, Camping World can just easily move on to uh, what's the stupid monkey one? <laughs> the monkey one? Uh, yeah, the, the, the emailing program whatever the hell yeah that but that's called. a that's a that's completely different software this is yeah, crm whatever. this is this is yeah this is a crm <laughs> software yeah mailchimp is uh email marketing it's okay not CRM. well whatever completely okay so they can go to something else there's there's plenty of these companies about um i think it's stupid for salesforce to do it i think mm-hmm. they're uh you know pardon the pun shooting themselves in the foot <laughs> but uh you know they, they can do whatever they want it's their company yeah i guess i guess it just seems very when you're like the top of the market and mm-hmm. you just start making these weird arbitrary rules, who's ever, who's going to trust you in the future? Well, like, that's why I say they're shooting themselves in the foot. They, 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 yeah. You, you, as a company, you're welcome to make stupid decisions. It is a stupid decision. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yes. Yeah. The mar- market forces do not preclude stupid decisions. No, not at all. So we see it all the time. We always, you know, new Coke. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, which is coming back, by the way. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, silly, silly. And speaking of stupid companies doing stupid things, let's talk about the North Face for a second. Okay. Have you seen this one? No, I have not. No. Okay, so the North Face, uh, (laughs) I just love this one. So they use Leo Burnett as Mm -hmm. their ad agency. Okay. And uh, Leo Burnett said, hey, we've got an idea. Let's try and get you to the top of Google Images. And how are we going to do that? Well, Mm -hmm. when people go on a trip they generally google the place that they're going to go and they're going to look at pictures and then we want your pictures with your gear to be at the top of google image results well some genius over at leo burnett (laughs) is leo burnett taylor made is the full name but i would just call them leo burnett from now on said hey look all the top images in google search are the wikipedia images right so leo burnett in a genius move they sent photographers around the world to get pictures of people in all these crazy locations in brazil to say just to make beautiful photos and then they went to wikipedia and swapped out the images that were there for theirs and of course then they got to the top of google images and instead of just letting it be and and sitting back and saying hey look what we did for you they Mm -hmm. decided to make a video and put it up on ad age and that's when the shit hit the fan. <laughs> this is first off, it's genius. Genius. This is the it's exact not, kind of hacking and marketing we would have done back in the day. Exactly no. what we would have done back in the day. But here's the thing. It's not genius because there's a reason nobody does this, because this is what's going to happen when you do shit like that. I would have been the one in the room saying, you can't do that. We're going to get eviscerated. And then the marketing <laughs> well, you're guys are going to get eviscerated because they fucking bragged about it. If they would have shut up, it would have been fine. But here's the other here's the other shoe on this one. The marketing geniuses say, well, we might get eviscerated. We can apologize. But then we stay in the news cycle for three more days. And how much more press are we going to get out of that? There you go. Yep. Let's let's manufacture. Let's manufacture these images, put them on Wikipedia. And then we're going to we're just going to leak it that we did it. 
And then we're going to manufacture outrage. And then we're going to apologize. We're going to do the right thing saying, oh, mia culpa, sorry. And then we get three more days of free advertising everywhere in the world, which they're getting on our show right now, even. And then they walk away. They walk away looking like the good guys because we're sorry. And, you know, they're even sending people to Wikipedia now to go and learn <laughs> the purpose and the whole thing of what Wikipedia is. It, Yeah. Yeah. This is the world we've made for ourselves. Well, it's just, oh man, it's just. <laughs> I still, I, I think it's, I'm, I think it's genius. I think that it, uh, everything that they did was genius, and um, you know they exploited uh, some open holes that, uh, well, yeah, they shouldn't have done it, but they did it, and it was, it's, it's genius. Yeah, fortunately, I don't shop for North Face, but even if I did, I wouldn't now. Right. Uh, and of course, you know, Leo Burnett, Taylor Made, is not going to get any, any blowback on this they're going to be like see how see what we did for our client and yep. you know if they get a sales report from the north face saying that sales went up after this whole thing blew over you know it's just a feather in their hat which i'm guessing it will because people are dumb <laughs> genius hack very very clever very clever security ha! We're back this week with Dave Bittner from the CyberWire podcast. The CyberWire is a free, community-driven cybersecurity news service based in Maryland, where they probably still don't have a government in Baltimore. <laughs> Dave is also the co-host of the Hacking Humans podcast, along with Joe Kerrigan, where they take on social engineering, which somebody used probably to take down the city of Baltimore. There you anyway. go. Yeah. <laughs> it all comes full circle. It's all Skittles and rainbows here in Maryland. Uh, <laughs> the rainbows after the tornadoes. We had, yeah. another, we had another set of tornadoes yesterday. God hates you. Uh, something's going on. <laughs> something's going on. I don't know. But yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Well, I guess I, I feel like I say this every week. The weather's broken. And yes. it is. So it's still <laughs> chilly here. <laughs> still still sweater time out there. Well, oh, I mean, the, let's not go crazy. We kind uh, of drape a hoodie around us slightly, yeah. you know. Oh, the humanity. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes, uh, over here we have, oh, the humanity. There you have, oh, the humidity. That is true. That mm -hmm. is true. We have <laughs> the humidity for sure. Uh, well, uh, I wanted to kick things off this week with uh, an article that I've been thinking a lot about since I read it. Uh, this is from over on Medium, a company called One Zero. Um, and the article is, uh, this ID scanner company is collecting sensitive data on millions of bar goers. Mm -hmm. Now... You, are, the three of us are all of similar age, yes. and it's been a long time since I was uh, I, since I hung around in bars. I have to admit, it's been even longer time since anyone really took a, an active interest in carding me. Um, but my recollection was when I was, let's say, college age, is that you'd go to a bar, you'd hand them your driver's license, bouncer would look at driver's license, look at you, you know, nod, whatever, and in you'd go. Yes. Um, and that's all fine and good, right? I mean, we're checking to make sure we're the right age or we're checking to make sure there's $5 under your driver's license so that the bouncer will let you in when you're <laughs> underage. Under your fake driver's license, yes. Right. Yes. It's, all, it's, all, it's all good. Um, but uh, I guess I hadn't really connected that this has evolved. And now uh, there's this company called Patron Scan. Patron mm -hmm. Scan, I guess is the way you say it. And... Uh, they have a system for scanning your driver's license and checking to make sure that it's authentic. 
mm-hmm. but it also connects with other bars and establishments that are part of this patron scan system. Mm-hmm. And if one of these places wants to basically blacklist you, you can get blacklisted from all of them. Well, it's been a it's been a it's been a whole twelve hours since I've been in a bar. Um, so it's <laughs> been a long time. Uh, I still frequent uh, my local quite often. Uh, I uh-huh. make friends there. Do so. I I've been around a lot. Now I don't stay out late much anymore. I'm not there when they actually have lines and they're checking IDs and and whatnot. But I do know that right. they have basic. You're there for the early now. bird special. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm the old man at the bar. That's <laughs> right. that's my my thing these days. That's my it's yeah. my gig. Uh-huh. Um, but they they have scanners now because obviously IDs are not what they used to be. Our IDs have barcodes and everything, so it's very simple to process to scan them now to to verify uh, age and all that sort of thing. And uh, I obviously bars have blacklists; they, they always do. Um, there are people. <laughs> I'm on have, many of them. Jason is on many. <laughs> I have never been blacklisted at a bar. Um, Let me just chime in here and say I was not aware that bars had blacklists. They do uh, well. They yeah. most, they, <laughs> yes, know, they do. I, I'm just. I, um, this is how little I. I have anyway. Go had on. Had friends that have been blacklisted and, and appealed. <laughs> okay. For months to get back into the bar's good graces, uh, people do stupid shit, and they will yeah. get. You know, it's very easy to get blacklisted from a bar. Basically, all you have to do is put your hand on any woman that works there, and you will never be back into that bar again. Oh, um, interesting. Hmm. So things of that nature. Uh, to clarify, to clarify, I've <laughs> never done that. I have okay. never done that. That is not why I've been blacklisted. But stupid <laughs> shit is my middle name, but that is not the reason. <laughs> right. it, well, it even says it on your ID, Jason, which is probably why they don't need this system to stop you from coming in. Yeah. Jason, stupid <laughs> right. shit to Filippo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the technology has definitely advanced. It's very, very easy to keep out underage drinkers. And, uh, you know, the, the blacklisting thing has always been kind of more of an informal thing amongst uh, the the bar owners, the bar workers, and the people that they hire for the door. Uh, I have a very weird feeling about this kind of connected network um, because you did something stupid in one bar once and God knows what the story w- was. Uh, the fact that you would then be barred from other bars is is kind of draconian to me and, and a little mm-hmm. bit frightening yeah i think it's also ripe for a class action lawsuit that yeah. is definitely true now i'm assuming you would just get uh, look even even <laughs> I, I might be breaking some news to you guys even restaurants keep notes on customers if you're a recurring customer at a restaurant there there are notes saying you know very nice or bad tipper or things of that nature people keep track of these things they always have they've always been self-contained though and the idea of it becoming a network is what's really frightening i'm assuming that they would just see some sort of almost like an uber rating of, of somebody um or something of that nature and the bar would be able to make their own decision as to whether or not they let them in or not uh, but it's still i don't like this at all yeah. yeah, we've actually covered software on the show before that restaurants can buy that will like manage all of that stuff for, you know, this person wants this seat. This is their favorite dish. This yes. is their favorite wine and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But we didn't I don't think we went down the the dark rabbit hole of, yeah, this guy is just a bad tipper or he's mean to the wait staff or things like that. I guess I guess they could just put it in the notes field. And they do. Well, they just put it in the notes that, field. Yeah. It's human nature. Of course, you would right. do such things. But that's mm-hmm. part of the story here is that. Uh, if someone misbehaves, according to the story, the staffer can flag their ID in the system and mm-hmm. tag them. And this patron scan has a list of, of bad things, including assault, disturbance, drug possession, drug trafficking, fake ID, fighting, gang violence, public intoxication. 
sexual assault, well, theft, public private intoxication. That's my, that's the point of being there. <laughs> exactly. I was just like, isn't that the whole point of your I've establishment, never understood sir? That. Now yeah. I get, you know, I get yeah. overserved, but uh, t- <laughs> but the 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 thing that they're flagging here is that a large percentage of these get tagged with simply private. Which, right. which means could mean anything, could mean that they grab someone, could mean that the proprietor of this bar doesn't like Irish people, you know, right. like, yeah. who, who knows? Who knows? No, I think Jason's right. I think Jason's spot on. This is this is ripe for class action lawsuit at some point because it is it's a very murky system, isn't it? Well, and the other thing I thought of was, what if back in the day when folks were checking our our IDs manually, if in addition to looking at your ID, the bouncer took out a camera and took a picture of your ID and then handed it back to you? Would you be okay with that? Of course not. Absolutely not. Right. But that's basically what they're doing here. Yeah, because those barcodes on Mm -hmm. the back have a ton of information in them. Right. Mm -hmm. And this got me thinking. So as I said, I've been thinking a lot about this. And what I was wondering is... Is there a use case or can an argument can an argument be made for an ID that verifies your age but does not include any of your other personal information, doesn't have your address on it? Yeah, a case can be made for it. Who's going to make it? Right. Yeah. And that yeah. doesn't seem to be the direction we're going as a society either, is it? It's no, more information, not, not less. Um, you know, the, there was the real ID that they were talking about for a while that wasn't a driver's license, but it was an ID. But I'm sure that that has all the information as well. Um, you know, I would I would just I would never go to a bar that had this. If they mm. if they installed patron scan, I'd be like, no, thank you. I mm-hmm. will be uh, taking my 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 drunkenness elsewhere. Right. And is there a EULA when you're handing them the ID that says we are going to take this, take your license and let you in the bar, but we're going to keep all the information on your license? Right. There, there's there's no consent given for them to take your information and hold it, yeah. which is what they're doing, which also comes back to well, case for class action lawsuit. I particularly like the fact that uh, they say in this article, patron scan doesn't provide any personal data to third parties besides law enforcement. That's a yet, of course, because <laughs> we all know that what happens, because that's going to be a whole nother income stream for them. And the customer yep. shouldn't worry about future changes to that policy because the data has no monetary value to third parties. Bullshit. It doesn't have monetary value <laughs> right. to third yeah, parties. Right, right. right. <laughs> of course, it has monetary value to third parties. You're getting very detailed information about people and where they where they go and and their regular patterns that is exceedingly valuable information yeah if i if i started an irish bar down the street from brian's bar and i can buy the information on who goes to his bar you know his local and i can then you know figure out where they're at i target them and say here check out our new bar here's 10 percent off or 20 percent off guinness tonight come on down exactly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know that's extremely valuable information yep and also a component of this is them making the the information available to law enforcement. It sounds like many of these places have a kind of a cozy relationship with the local law enforcement. Well, um, bars do. They have to. Yeah, they have yeah, to. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. That, um, that part I understand. But I guess it's uh, as we come back to over and over again here, it's one thing if a police officer comes and says, here's the warrant I have for all the information you have yes. on Brian. Uh, do you have anything? And please share with me what you have. It's another thing for the police officer to walk up and say, hey, do you, will you log into your uh, patron scan? I just want to poke around in here and, and uh, see what's going on. Yeah. Can you give me a list of everybody that was here on Tuesday? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very different. Very different thing. So I agree. I, I, I'm fully against this. This is ridiculous. Yeah. 
but I can see the commercial in my head of the uh, the the law firm that is starting the class action lawsuit that you would see like on Judge Judy. It's like, have you been an asshole but think you're wrongfully (laughs) accused? Did you accidentally touch the server's butt? But you didn't mean to, and then you got banned. We'll right. call Douche and Douche Law Firm, and we're gonna get you some money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is troubling. This sort of stuff. I wonder where it's gonna go. I wonder well, where it's gonna go. You know, full surveillance all the time. That's where it's mm-hmm. going. And this isn't new. This has been. I've been seeing like you know, it's been at least like six or seven years that I've seen these scanners at bars. So they've mm-hmm. been amassing data for a while. Have you really? I, I've never seen one. I've never seen one of these. In San Francisco, they're all over the place. Okay. Yeah, hmm. in this Chicago, I've seen style. Them. It's it's kind of like a like a handheld credit card scanner with a little laser on the front, so you can either like point oh, yeah, at the barcode. They, they, they've got those everywhere, it. but those aren't those aren't necessarily connected. Uh, generally, those just really just check age, and that's that. So, well, the the ones I looked at looked pretty much like uh, they were connected. Okay. It wasn't just and a basic. How can thing. you tell? I a, guess you know. Yeah, how can you tell? You got you got to look for the patron scan logo, I guess. Well, the, the antenna on the side of it was kind of a giveaway. <laughs> oh, you and your details. I know. What are you going to do? <laughs> so this this article was sent to us by a couple hundred people. Uh, in the middle of the night, do you know who your iPhone is talking to? This is over at the Washington Post, and it's an mm-hmm. article about trackers on your phones and when apps phone home while you're taking a nap. Mm-hmm. And all of the data that is like all these apps that are running in the background in all of the crap that they're sending out. Did you guys get a chance to look at this one? Oh, I did. Yeah. It made me very upset. <laughs> I, see, this this comes back to me. It's another meh. I, you kind of figured this is going to be happening all the time. Well, uh, I too yes, had this no. sent to me by hundreds of people. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think what is troubling here is for me anyway is that this is obviously abuse of apple's background refresh functionality that oh, you think uh, <laughs> well uh, but yeah. that apple's that that apple's not yet cracked down on it and what's um, shocking to me is apple hasn't come out and made a huge statement about this yet because you can't go and have your your advertising campaign right now being what happens on your iphone stays on your iphone and then have this new story come out you've got to mm-hmm. do something uh, now, I know their argument right now is, well, the stuff that we build doesn't do any of this. These are third party apps. These are that you're using. But that's right. not quite good enough. And and I will bet you that all of us have opted into all of this tracking when we installed the app and clicked. I agree on the EULA. Of course. Of course. So well, I mean, that. on my phone, I go, I specifically go through and don't allow background refresh on any app. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of a stickler for that, except in, on the ones that I really need it for. But like, why does the Nike app need to be sending out my data? You know, yeah. it doesn't. It does. The not. weather channel, I can understand because they're pinging to get the weather currently. So when you open up your phone, you get the weather, but they don't need a ton of information. They, they do need your probably your IP address and your location to geolocate you so they can give you the weather in your area. It's and when they it- go above and beyond wasn't the so. Weather Channel one of the ones that got busted in the past year or so for they were selling all of the location data to a third party? Yes, yes, I yes, yes. I used weather to have the Weather Channel app on my iPad and deleted it after that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you know what? I wonder if this ties into the same time that Byron Allen bought the Weather Channel. He could be the villain because <laughs> God knows that his Byron, his, Allen. His, Byron Allen's talk shows were a travesty against humanity. <laughs> so maybe he's he's upped his game and now he's into the data brokering racket. <laughs> could be. Could be. Wasn't he on like real people or one of those? Yep. 
Yeah, he was on okay. Real People, and then he had a late night talk show that was one of the worst things ever. This it should have been like condemned by the Hague as a war crime. It was so bad. <laughs> this might be one of our best tangents ever, people. Yeah, <laughs> he seemed like a nice enough guy, but I agree, his show wasn't that good. Well, Jason has two nemesis right now: Byron Allen and the guy from Salesforce. Yes, <laughs> Mark Benioff and Byron Allen. What do these two have in common? Yeah, Jason hates them. them. <laughs> Put them in one of those uh, wrestling cage matches together and see who yeah. comes out alive. Which yeah. no talent asshole will win. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So this is disturbing. Um, yeah. I think we all just kind of have to be be more like Jason. And I can't believe I just said that. Mm, <laughs> Go yeah. through and uh, switch off background app refreshing on a lot of these. It's just shocking because you I mean, I'm sure. Yes, of course. It's all in the EULA. But so many of these basic apps that you think would just get the information that they need, they're just trying to slurp up absolutely everything for no mm-hmm. reason. Because they, they can. can. Yeah. Because well, they can. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I think the point is excellent that, yes, you can go through and go through the privacy settings and disable them. But to the point that you just made, it's reasonable to think that, oh, the Weather Channel app, yeah, well, they need to know where I am to deliver me the weather. And mm-hmm. there's no real way to know that that's all they're doing. And that's yeah. a problem. Yeah, that's that's the problem is you don't know. It's either all or nothing, right? It's either mm-hmm. on or off. You can't go in and selectively set up different things. And and to your point, Jason, Nike needs that information because they do things like track your workouts. So they have to get some information too, right? Well, well, yeah. the, well, you're in, it's in the background. No, if you're going on a workout, then you have the app in the forefront, don't you? I don't know. I, don't, I guess. I, don't I mean, like I, I have, um, <laughs> I have my, my phone is tracking my steps all the time. Cause I try to mm-hmm. get in my steps throughout the day. So yeah. I could see a sports app doing that sort of thing in the background. Yeah. yeah. Possibly, yeah. possibly. But yeah. uh, I just, I go with a zero trust model on every app. I give them as little as possible. So that's yeah. just, when I install something new, I check it and just turn off the things. Cause I always have to go and turn notifications on, make sure that there's, or customize the notification so it doesn't bug me and all that. So, but while I'm doing it, I always check all that stuff. And it it started out with battery life. It wasn't even about privacy. I just got in the habit of it because the battery life was so bad on the old phones that you That's just true. always turn that stuff off. And I got in yep. the habit of doing it. And now it's now it turns out that was a good idea because of just the privacy impl- implications. But you know, if you get in the habit of it, every time you install a new app, just go see what it does and make sure that it needs to do those things. And if it does, then Guess what? They might be taking your datas and then yeah. someday you might uh, have universal basic data income and can get rich on the on the blockchain. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm. Well, I have a feeling the next time I'm sitting on my toilet with my Amazon Echo show sitting right there next to me looking at me, I will be uh, spending some time <laughs> taking care of my app permissions. When you're having a peekapoo. When I'm having a peekapoo. That's in a different segment, Dave. You missed that. <laughs> yes. It actually Darn. comes after this segment. So <laughs> well, that's right uh, after this, the order yeah. that we're going in. So a oh, little I teaser see. there, everyone. The so the continuum is broken. Oh, Time no. machine. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been talking a lot about really bad things that are happening with privacy. Now I've got an actual rare, decent thing. Um, Amazon has responded to a lot of the brouhaha about uh finding out that uh, voice commands were being stored and laughed at in private forums from Amazon and things of that nature. So they've rolled out a new feature as of this week uh, that you will be able to say, Alexa, delete everything I said today, and it will wipe all voice recordings made from midnight that day until the moment. In a few weeks, they'll be rolling out, delete what I just said, and it will expunge voice recordings of your most recent request specifically. So the next time you go, Alexa, how do I kill my wife? You can go, Alexa, delete what I just said after you got the answer. 
Now, here's the thing. Can't you just set that as a default, maybe? Hmm. No. That oh, would wait. be nice, uh, wouldn't yeah. it? That would this be is, nice. Yeah, this is opt-in, in, or I mean opt-out, not opt-in. You have mm-hmm. to actually say it. But uh, on the plus side, you could do uh, an if-then-if-this-then-that kind of thing for yourself that made a nighttime thing that you could just say and then add that to the little list of things for it to do. But, uh, of course, they can't just make it that easy for you. And the uh, big oh, thing oh, being... Wait. Hmm. Wait, I, there's, a, there's a thing here. Now, if you say, Alexa, delete what I just said, does it save Alexa, delete what I just said? And then the, in court, they can show Ooh, that you said, it, Alexa, delete loop. what I just said. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're hidden and then, to an infinity loop. Yes. <laughs> I'm telling you, the prosecutor can go, what did you say that needed to be expunged so rapidly? Hmm. Yes. I think Alexa needs amnesia mode. Yeah. Yeah. Like private browsing, just like everything else. That would be nice. Uh, You know, and then, of course, there's always the question, what does delete really mean? Are you really just saying Alexa set all visibility to zero? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. You never know. Court order mode. That's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Lawyer mode. Bad hombre mode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Well, this last one I have this week, uh, uh, yet another story about a bunch of... uh, uh, user information leaked online or exposed online. This is uh, 42 million dating app records explo- exposed online, leaking user IP addresses and location data. This was over on Gizmodo, uh, a pub- another publicly accessible database. Uh, and kind of what's interesting about this one is uh, it, it was from a lot of dating apps, including Cougar Dating, <laughs> Christian's oh, Finder, wow. yeah. yes. Mingler, mm. uh, Friends with Benefits, Yes. And TS, which we assume or they speculate is probably short for transsexual. Now, so, well, yes, yes. I think I think Mr. Jeremiah Fowler protests too much with that. It could just be I th- fans of I think of he T.S. knows Elliot. exactly what TS is. It could just be fans of T.S. Eliot. You never oh, know. Yes. But, okay, that's true. <laughs> but a wide cross-section <laughs> of people. Yes, um, all over actually, the map. <laughs> We actually, yeah, we we met, we talked about this over on uh, the CyberWire last uh, week, and we were and and we made the point that there's probably a lot, not a lot of crossover between cougar dating and Christian Finder, and I oh, took issue I with that. I don't think I would that. like to do right. a little cross data analysis of these sites. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I, my point, I said, I think you're giving the Christians too much credit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, oh well, and I can't help thinking of uh, Mingler of of th- hearing um, Vincent Price. Uh, remember the old thing with the Tingler, yeah. <laughs> the Tingler, the Tingler, the Mingler. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, other interesting things about this: they found a bunch of Chinese text in the database, which uh, leads them to believe that whoever gobbled all this data up might be Chinese, although it wasn't in, in a U.S. based server. Hmm. So. Um, I don't know. Not a whole lot to be done here, but it's just another example of uh, be careful what you put out there on these dating sites because it seems like a higher than average hit rate that these are some of the sites that get scooped up. Yes. And my you know, sense anyway. don't sign up for all of them. You know who you are. <laughs> right. Well, you Casting a wide odds. net. You, gotta, yeah, you never know. The heart wants what the heart wants, Brian. You just That's true. The heart apparently <laughs> wants everything for that dude. That's right. That's right. I love T.S. Eliot. All right. Well, that's what I have. Yeah. I mean, they could just end it right there. But uh, all right. That's what I have this week. Uh, I will talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. You too. 
cups and doodads. Brian, you're a fan of the Amazon Echo Show, aren't you? I do. I, I All my family has it. My in-laws, uh, my sister, my mom. Uh, it's a great way for us all to stay in touch with each other, especially with the kiddos. Those things were expensive when they came out, weren't they? They were. They were. They were uh, 300 bucks or so. Well, now you can get one for $90. Of course you can. Yeah. <laughs> it's much smaller. <laughs> yeah, the five the five and a half inch Echo Show for 90 bucks has just been announced. And I'm thinking of picking some of these up for the family. Uh, I think it's a great idea. We use them all, literally all the time, almost every day. We're talking to somebody with it. And um, like I said, with the kids, it's great. Like uh, my kid will just pop up and talk to his niece and nephew now. And it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I think uh, I think a couple of these might be uh, going out for birthday presents and things like that. Or at exactly. least Christmas presents. Yes. Yeah. So, except I got to buy one for me now, and I got to count my roommate into let me put it in the house. Uh, you don't. I have a version one of the big one still, if you'd like it. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll no, talk just, off. We'll talk off the air. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but yeah, I think for ninety bucks, that's a no brainer. So. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you can take mine and uh, buy ninety dollar versions for uh, your family and friends that you want to do voice chatting with. It's quite nice. Cool. Yeah, and these new ones actually come with a camera shutter. Smart, because they're definitely trying to convince you that this one should go in the bedroom from all their marketing materials, which will never happen. I will never put one of these in Never. <laughs> I don't care if it's a physical shutter, you're still listening, so. Yep. Yeah, definitely not. I still, I want them to make that little round one with no camera. I That's like exactly, that thing. exactly, that is, I would buy that in two seconds and that would go in my bedroom. I'd put one in my bad, my bathroom and one in my bedroom. Yep. Because like in the morning, because I get up at like. This morning, I got up at 3.30 and stumbled into the shower, and I'm like, what is it? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so, yep. Okay, cool. Then we'll, we'll move on, and I'll review those once we start getting them in. Now, Pokemon Go, back in the news. Mm-hmm. Yay! Uh, Pokemon Go has announced Pokemon Sleep. Okay. Yes, they, they actually want to start tracking your sleep with a new app called Pokemon Go Plus Plus. And... It's a little little doodad hee-haw goo that you put in your bed that just tracks movement over the course of the night. Okay. And when you get enough, yeah, it's, you know, connects to your phone via Bluetooth and you get right. rewards when you sleep enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. I don't know <laughs> why. Why? <laughs> why? <laughs> oh, my God. See, now, the only reason I think I really put this in here is because th- soon they're going to come out with a, a bathroom tracker. And they're going to call shit. Nope. Peekapoo. Peekapoo. Oh, there you go. Peek-a-poo. Could also be the name for the Alexa that you put in your bathroom. That's true, too. <laughs> yeah, when you forget to close the shutter. Peekapoo. Peekapoo. I think we have a show title. There we go. So I'm sure a friend of the show, David Teeter, will be buying one of these because he's such a Pokemon Go fiend. I just don't. I don't get it. I just I really I'm scratching my head on this. Okay. All right. Yeah, this, on. This one I don't get. <laughs> uh, we talked last week. I think I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but I know you and I talked about getting some software to use our swanky new iPads as mm-hmm. secondary monitors because I need more monitors and I, my desk is too small for another monitor. So right. instead of going out and buying, you know, the seven hundred dollar new top for my desk, which I really want, but I can't afford. I spent 15 bucks and went and got Duet Display. So it's just a nice piece of software. It's written by Apple engineers, ex-Apple engineers. You plug your iPad into your computer and then you run the software and it basically airplays to like the second screen to it. It's really well done. It's really fast. And right now I'm running it on my iPad Pro under my 
iMac and it looks great. It works really well. And for 15 bucks, you can't go wrong. They, da- they do have upsells for other things and it does work for Mac and PC even. Yes, I, I bought it as well. I've tested it out. I, I will use it when I travel. I don't really need it at home because I do have a nice little podcasting setup with a, enough screen space. But when I travel, it'll be fantastic. The only thing that bummed me out is you actually have to have it connected by the cable. You can't do it over Bluetooth or wireless or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm fine with that because then it's like charging the whole time too. So That's true. It is a plus. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely a plus. But for 15 bucks, it's an, it's a nice little app. Works great. Works absolutely fantastic. My only other complaint is it does jack with my my screen resolution every time I plug it in and bring it back and some and moves, you know, that ends up like shifting uh, windows over a little bit. So I have to move them back every time. But uh, overall, very well done. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't really had too many issues with the screen res. Once I got it set up and got it working, it seemed to stick every time I plug it back in. But ah, cool. I have to play with it a little bit more. Yep. Give it a go. And in a weird Weird thing that happened to me this week. I had, uh, do you remember American Gladiators? A show I didn't watch, yes. Okay. A lot of people who listen to this show probably watched American Gladiators. I personally was a super fan. Well, the guy that was Nitro on American Gladiators came over to my studio and he hung out for a couple hours and I'm helping him, helping him with a new project of his. Mm-hmm. But it's just really cool to have Nitro in your office <laughs> shooting the shit and hanging out. And he noticed that my posture was terrible. Because I've been standing here. So he told me to get one of these posture correctors that he's got that he's using because he's he's uh, coming back from back surgery. So I got the Agon posture corrector clavicle brace support strap posture brace medical device to improve bad posture, thoracic kyphosis, shoulder alignment, upper back pain relief for men and women at Amazon (laughs) for a whopping twenty dollars. Right. Things awesome. (laughs) <laughs> it's just a strap. We reviewed it's- one of these that was internet connected. Remember, we, we, oh, we talked. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. in more on of the week or something. It was it was this with an app. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Yeah, the one that there's like the sticker that you put right on the back of your spine, and you're supposed, yes. to, supposed to make you stand up straight. Yeah, that this one actually, it's a strap, and it pulls your shoulders back. You can't. Mm. You don't need an app. You can't move <laughs> your shoulders forward. And uh, it for twenty bucks, it's great. My back feels really good. I've been using it for a couple, you know, two days now. And uh, if you've got you know posture problems, grab one of these things. They're cheap, and they they do what they say. It's just it just pulls your shoulders into alignment, and you stand up straight because you have no choice. <laughs> and but and when you take it off, you still you still find yourself standing up straighter because you're you're building the muscles to you know stay in alignment. I right. like this thing a lot. Okay. Um, might check one out. Actually, I would probably wear one while I was podcasting because I do find myself tending to slump forward a bit while podcasting. I just wear mine all day. Right. That's all. Well, there's a whole new realm of apps, Jason. I don't know if you've heard this term before. I didn't until I read this article, but they're called dApps. Dapps? Dapps. Decentralized apps. Apps on the blockchain, Jason. I have heard of apps on the blockchain for sure, but well, I didn't know they were called now. dApps. They're called <laughs> <Yeah>. dApps. <laughs> DApps have been one of the most hotly anticipated developments of blockchain, the technology that underpins Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Investors have poured billions of dollars into the effort, yet, according to the Wall Street Journal, they remain largely inaccessible to the average internet user. Basically, they have not caught on because nobody gives a crap. They are basically just smartphone apps that come in many flavors, from social media to gaming to finance. Proponents of the platforms have said they have the potential to change the way the internet works, bypassing gatekeepers and allowing users to connect to each other directly. I know you've heard of one of the big ones, CryptoKitties. 
we reviewed CryptoKitties when it first came out. And, <laughs> yes. and every time it was mentioned afterwards, I was always laughing because it basically broke the Ethereum blockchain for a while because there were so many transactions going over it. But it was a shark fin. It lasted like a week and everybody's like, this is dumb. Yes, and exactly. Then, and then quit. Developers have created more than 2,700 dApps that have enough data to be trackable, according to a website called State of the Dapps. God. <laughs> Only three of them have more than 10,000 daily active users. The most active dApp on any platform most recently was Endless Dice, a gambling dApp on the EOS platform that had 3,400 active users on Wednesday. CryptoKitties, which they mentioned, uh, first got a lot of people in and is dead now. Uh, it's completely faded. Uh, they count only a few hundred daily uses and the digital cart cats sell with a median price of about 12 bucks now, according to a site called Kitty Sales. Dragon is currently... <laughs> Kitty Sales. Kitty Sales. <laughs> yes, there are sites for all of these things. I don't... Yeah, I, it's, I, I don't get it. Again, I don't get it. I don't get apps on the blockchain yet. It doesn't make any sense and it's stupid and nobody's using them. So dap, dap you. Somebody quickly call Gwyneth Paltrow and Gary V and get him back in the studio for Planet of the Daps. Yes, Planet of the Daps, coming soon. <laughs> hey, nobody will watch that show, too. <laughs> brick -a -brick. This is a bit clickbait, but at least I thought it was interesting clickbait. There's a link in our show notes to daysdigital.com, which has Bjork, Jeff Goldblum, David Lynch, and more on what happens when we die. Basically, they just pulled some quotes from old random interviews with them talking about what they think happens, and I just enjoyed reading it. If, if they asked me, it'd be a very simple, short article. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oblivion. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now you know my. Now you know where I stand. <laughs> I found this one over on Wired. Mackenzie Bezos mm -hmm. and the pitfalls of tech philanthropy. Well, Mackenzie is going to give away half mm -hmm. of her $36 billion. Good she for is, her. She's joined up for the giving pledge. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see how this plays out. Problem is, it's tough to give away a lot of money, apparently, if you want to, you know, try and do it right. Yes. And to drive that point home, Wired had another article two days later <laughs> called Five Mistakes Mackenzie Bezos and Other Mega Donors Should Avoid. Because apparently mm -hmm. it turns out being a business person, and I don't know how big of a business person Mackenzie Bezos is. I don't know if I don't know her past, if she was part of Amazon or just married yeah, she into was. it. She was. She's quite clever. She was. Okay, mm -hmm. good, good. Um, but it, it goes through all the different ways where business people suck at running a nonprofit. Well, look, I, I, I know this is going to be shocking to everyone, but if you announce that you're giving away money, a lot of uh, unsavory types of people are going to try to get it. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> that's how... That's how human nature works. So, yeah, there's a huge vetting process that has to go into this if you want to really do some good and not get screwed and not just give money away to people that do horrible things. Right. But it's changing your mindset and talking to the people who actually run successful nonprofits is mm -hmm. what they should do. But mm -hmm. all they're doing is talking to their other rich friends who say, yeah, I tried to give away a bunch of money and it's harder than it looks and I it <laughs> sucks. You know? Well, go to patreon.com slash GOG. We make it really easy for you to give away your money. Seriously, Mackenzie, come on, hook mm. a brother up. Yes. And I found this one over on Medium. I'm a former elite athlete, and I call BS on tech's obsession with working long hours by Jason Shen. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the long and the short of this article is just stop working so goddamn much. Take a break, and you're going to be sane. You're going to actually get more done than you would if mm -hmm. you worked 80-hour weeks, which you and I know. Yes, and we know that. And I actually just saw an article recently. And if I would have seen this in there, I would have I would have put it in there. But there's a really interesting study that just came out that said the four day work week is actually way more efficient than a five day work week. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. 37 yeah. Signals has been doing that for years. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that they've actually are they're going to put uh, burnout in the next. Uh, what's that book that tells you how crazy you are? The uh, it's got <laughs> it's an acronym that I can never I can never remember. Well, that one too. That's a different book. But <laughs> yeah, they're just going to it's going to be a disorder called burnout. And oh, yeah. it's a thing. Yeah, you can be too. diagnosed with it. But mm-hmm. we, we you and I know this. We this yes. is something we've talked about on the show, but I'm glad that everybody is talking about it more and more now because there are a lot of people that are on the hustle train. Got to yes. hustle, hustle, hustle. Gary V is, you know, the the de facto leader of all that shit. And it's stupid and people need to, you know, get a clue. You don't need a side hustle. You need a side nap. Yeah, seriously. Go buy a copy of Paziz and take a nap. <laughs> I do it every day. Pokemon Sleep. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Get uh, Pokemon Go Plus Plus or whatever the hell it is. But take a nap, people, and just relax. It's all good. And I put this one in here for you, Brian. Victory for fathers in a parental leave case that could be a harbinger. Too fucking late. <laughs> Well, the problem with you is you ran the company, so you could have given yourself more time off. <laughs> well, I basically did, to be honest. Yeah, you kind of did. I <laughs> just kind of cut back on all my work. So my company suffered a bit, but, you know, my kid's happy. Well, your company suffered so much that you shut it down. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the, all the all the crypto kitties I'm getting from podcasting, you know, I'm cool. Yep, there you go. Crypto. Mm-hmm. Crypto vacation. That's Look, every other about. country in the goddamn world does this. Step up, America. Stop being so stupid. Closing shout outs. And speaking of stupid, I didn't know where else to put this because we didn't have more on of the week this week, but I feel compelled that we simply have to say this out loud. Yes, natural gas has a new name, Jason, according to the Department of Energy. Okay. Freedom gas. Why? They're promoting fossil fuels to go hand in hand for the Trump administration, and they took it to a new level on Tuesday with a press release touting natural gas as freedom gas full of, and I like how the author of this article put this in, I feel stupid even typing this, molecules of U.S. freedom. Yes, they are promoting gas from Texas as opposed to overseas. (laughs) So every time I fart now, I can say, have some freedom gas. Freedom gas. (laughs) Can you feel the freedom? I just feel stupider every day in this country. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I've got a shout out to friend of the show, Bob Fogarty, because yesterday he dropped me a heads up that Good Omens dropped a day early. Yes, you you wrote me as well. Uh, I'm assuming you watched an episode. I watched an episode. Yes, I did. Just one? Yes, I'm taking my time with this one because I waited 30 years for this thing to come out, (laughs) you know, for this thing to be a thing. So after watching the first episode, did you watch one? I did not. I finished. Well, we're, we're already like we're teasing our, our media candy segment. I actually finished uh, Fleabag season two instead. I okay. wanted to have that done before I moved on to Good Omens. <laughs> well, I watched the first episode of Good Omens and it is perfect. It is perfection. OK, from what I wanted from the book. It is perfection. I think the flaming swords are a little short, but on the other <laughs> hand, everything else was absolute perfection. And that's why I'm going to take my time with it, because, man, it made me happy. Buy Media Candy on uh, Tuesday. He will have watched all six episodes. Nah, probably not. (laughs) Probably not. Maybe, but probably not. So I highly recommend everybody check it out, and we'll have more of a review on the next episode when Brian gets around to watching one or six. I'll watch one. Until next time, I'm Brian Schulmeister. 
And I'm Jason DeFilippo. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. To support the show and keep us on the air, go to patreon.com slash GOG. Toss us a buck a month and we'll love you forever. If you'd like to give a one-time or recurring donation, go to GOG.show and click the PayPal button in the sidebar. Show notes for the episode are at GOG.show slash 349. From there, you can find links to old episodes, leave feedback, ask questions, and get links to stuff we like. And if you are listening to the show in the Overcast player, please keep them stars coming. We love watching the we love watching the charts. It's just so much fun. Until next time, stay grumpy. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.